Hey, everybody, you're kicking it with the homeboys and the homeboys podcast, where we talk everything in the world of real estate investing. Whether you're a seasoned vet or you're just getting started, we're going to give you our over 40 years of combined real estate experience. Today, we've got a very exciting topic. We are going to talk about the great real estate crash of 2024. That's right. We're going to talk about what interest rates are doing to real estate markets. We're going to talk about inventory piling up. We're going to talk about prices in certain markets being completely out of control. And I'm very excited to talk about this because in real estate, what goes up must come down. And with uh, interest rates so high like they are, you're seeing commercial uh, real estate vacancies at rates we've never seen. You're seeing credit card debt at historical highs. We're looking at savings rates at historical lows. So there is a lot of bad, bad data out there that is scaring people and is making a lot of people think the real estate crash is coming in 2024. And I don't think people are paying attention to it. No, they aren't. These, I mean, these indicators are there. Why aren't people you know, looking at this and, you know, preparing for the future. Well, there's a lot of data out there and it's hard to understand it all. And the truth is, is that I don't think a real estate crash is actually coming. I think, well, we got everybody's attention, yeah. you know, I mean, it's all about capturing your audience. Like the world is coming to an end, right? It's, Fear, it's going to crash. Fear sells. And I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. I mean, you, we, you hear a lot of people talk about, you know, a correction coming. Keep in mind, we've been we've been hearing about a correction coming for about seven years now. Um, do I think that there's some really weird economic data that's that we're paying attention to that people should also, you know, really, really pay close attention to? Yeah, I do. Um, I see it just driving around. You know, I'm not the data geek that you are. Um, you know, I'm not very well read. You know, I'm more of a real world experience type guy. And, you know, we live in Fishers, Indiana, you know, very uh, hot spot, if you will. I think it's on Money Magazine's, like one of their best places to live. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on a lot of lists for, for it families to live and for young and up and coming towns. It's and a you neat see, place. You see a lot of new development going on, but, you know, we've got some strip malls right across the street that have had crazy vacancies you know, for years, um, you know, you're seeing, um, other places that like shopping malls going out we've got a shopping mall just down the street. That, I mean, it's starting to become like a ghost town or a, you know, a, a, a gang hot, hot spot. I mean, there's shootings going on every other, every other week down there, but just looking at, um, you know, some of the, like the high rises, we've got these commercial parks just down the street. Um, the vacancies that are going on um, in there, they've got buildings for sale because I mean, people are trying to, to, to get out while the real estate market is still somewhat okay. Cause I mean, they can't um, service the debt because of the amount of vacancies. And we're, I'm just talking about fishers. That's what I see. I did watch a 60 minutes not long ago. And we talked about it on our show that like New York, um, like New York city and, you know, some other large markets, you know, they're having to turn these high-rise buildings, um, you know, from office space to condos and apartments because the vacancy rates are, are 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 so so big. So anyhow, what I'm saying is, there are some things out there that I think are are 
concerning. I got one more point. I'm talking. I'm I'm rambling a little bit on you here, Scotty. But I've also been very concerned about the car market. You know, you and I have been in the car market for a while. We've sold some of um, our our older fleet of vehicles for our work, and you know, looking at some of our personal vehicles. And you know, the prices of vehicles are are bonkers. And there's nothing available. You know, you're trying to find something, you know, for your family right now. There's nothing available. And, you know, and I've got one of my closest friends in the world is, is in the car business. And he said repos are up tenfold. I said, really? Tenfold? He's like, yes, tenfold. They're up tenfold. And they're going to continue to continue to go up. So there's things out there. I'm not saying the sky's falling. I'm saying I am I am scared. I'm yeah, scared little, little little sheep. Yeah, there's there's a lot of data out there that's showing some really negative signs. So you've got car repossessions up. You've got savings rates at, at uh, all all time uh, lows. You've got credit card debt that was five hundred billion dollars back in 1999 has reached over a trillion dollars of credit card debt currently. So it's doubled. Yes. More than doubled. More than doubled. It's out of control. And then you have car repossessions spiking um, coming up. But at the same time, there's two sides to every coin. And with car repossessions, you see them coming up. However, I called Toyota last week and I said, I want one of three cars. I want either a Sequoia. I want either the 4Runner or the new Land Cruiser. And they said, okay, September 2024, you're on the list. So there, you can't even buy certain cars. So I don't know if that's the wealth gap that's showing its ugly teeth where the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poor. Um, you know, inflation, as you know, has a tendency to hurt the poor and, and does not hurt the wealthy because the wealthy own assets that go up in value and the poor they're uh, consumers basically and everything costs more for them. So maybe a bit of it is the wealth gap showing because I am seeing mixed messages out there. Um, but point one that we wanted to talk about was the interest rates and the interest rates. There's no, we don't see a break coming anytime soon. We don't have a crystal ball. You know, our job isn't to sit around and, and watch what the fed is doing and study it. You know, we're in real estate. However, we do pay attention to that stuff. And you and I agree that there is no break in sight for interest rates. And many people are predicting now another quarter point uh, to a half point increase this year still. So, you know, to, to curb in inflation. So I think rates should probably be at 12%. That's not saying I want them to be at 12%. I think that that's probably where they need to be considering, um, you know, what, what has transpired, you know, over the last you know, call it, you know, two to, you know, three, four years, you know, interest rates at 2%. I mean, come on. Like they never should right. have been at 2%. It's freaking bonkers, you know, and it's so politically driven and I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. And you know me, I'm not very political at all. Right. But really during the podcast, Sorry. it's <laughs> California yeah. calling. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a client. Yeah. Actually, it's California. And you, you know me, I'm not very political at all. Right. But, you know, you have different administrations that will do certain things that's basically legalized vote buying. This is my opinion. Right. You know, the economy went bonkers in a good way because rates were at 2%. So that increased, you know, building, that increased, um, you know, people's desire to go out and get a mortgage, that increased people wanting to move. You know, if you've got a lot of people moving, what's that do? That's going to stimulate the economy. There's lots of different 
moving parts that's going to be stimulated with people with people moving. But you know what? When rates were at four and five percent, properties weren't setting for six months. You know, we had we had fine. Our inventory was was at a was at a very controlled level. Rates going to two percent just kind of made everything um, unavailable. Now, I mean, we did that. You know, several years ago, you go forward twenty four months, and now. We are struggling because of those decisions before. I said, you know, rates never should have gotten that low because okay, you know what's going to happen. You need to explain because you glossed over something that, that you, you people probably listening don't understand. So you're saying there's no inventory available because of 2% rates. Can you unpack that? Absolutely. So if you have a $500,000 house and, you know, you refinanced that $500,000 house and got your 2% rate, which you would have been a fool not to have refinanced and got in, you know, at your 2% rate whenever they went down. And maybe if it's not 2%, because that was more the 15 year, but if you were a 30 year, you were a 275, you know. So now you're at this, you're at this, let's just say for number's sake, you're at 2%. Now that $500,000 house that, that you refinanced, now it's worth 800 grand. Okay, and now rates are at 8%. So the difference in payment for you to level up or to move somewhere is so drastic because of that inflated rate and the lack of inventory. You're not going to see people move. People are going to be sheltering in place and not leveling up and not moving because why would you? And not selling their house. They're not going to sell their house. Why would you? Right. I mean, heck, you have a mortgage on, on, on... your house, I do. Yeah, you know, I mean, point, aren't you one of uh, one of those? Oh, I would never sell a two two point six five percent house in order to buy an eight percent house. You know, that's. Uh, I mean, you have to spend so much more a month. I I recently did the math on my house, so um, you know, I I I do a. I believe I did a fifteen year mortgage, so you know, my payment is X amount, but my property has gone up in value and rates have gone up to the point where. If somebody wanted to buy my house today, even with the best rate, their payment would be double what mine is. So my my house costs twice as much per month for somebody to buy it as it did just five years Correct. ago. Correct. And that's my point. Um, it's going to be a long time. This isn't going to be a 60-day uh, a you know, problem. This is going to be years. This but is, this, this problem... Is, going to take a lot of time for people to weather weather this uh, this this inventory shortage but what we're saying is this inventory shortage is going to keep the real estate market from crashing in some ways because there isn't enough inventory out there that is correct and so despite these rates having these past rates at 2% is actually helping save the real estate market from crashing in a way as crazy as that is for your average um sales price correct in the market that you're in i do believe that there is not necessarily a crash but a relatively large correction um in some of your higher dollar priced real estate so the the top of our market here for the most expensive houses in our area is around four million dollars and you're talking the absolute the absolute ceiling and clint and i were looking at a couple of houses in the three million dollar range yesterday and one of them was just lowered by five hundred thousand dollars 
you know, and there's market. We were looking not for ourselves. We were no, looking no. because we've yeah. got a, we've got a good friend of ours that's got got one of those high dollar pr- properties on the market. That's right. Uh, yeah, and there are markets out there where that is their entire market is one million plus. Because if people thought you were buying a three point three million dollar yeah, house, I'm, you'd I'm, get accosted. I'm not buying a three million dollar house. We 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 are in the business of real estate, and we were talking about a friend of ours who has a house for sale, and I was wondering how long it's been listed. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. But no, we're not out there just uh, driving our Lamborghinis and living in our our four million dollar places. But my point is is that in our market and in many markets, we feel like there is some trouble ahead for the higher end properties. Or for markets that are extremely high priced, a lot of the West Coast and the and uh, the Northwest. But at the same time, demand is still out there on the West Coast and the Northwest for a lot of that. We Let's just say two million two million dollar house. I mean, you see that on the West Coast a lot. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you know, two million dollar house. The difference in um, a two percent interest rate and an eight percent interest rate on a two million dollar you know, mortgage, that's $120,000 a year. That's wow. 10 grand a month difference in payment, you know, Bananas. With, with, with interest rates being where they were and where they're at now. Right. Just think of that 10 grand more per month. Yeah. That's, that's why you're not going to see a giant flood of inventory right now is because people aren't going to be leveling up. They're not going to be selling their 2% houses. And there are some markets though, that you could see some serious pullbacks because now a $3 million house costs you, you know, double what it cost you before Mm -hmm. these rate environment changed. It's amazing how much a rate environment changes the real estate market. And, um, you know, I could go on a long diatribe here about about how much I hate the the way that the Fed manipulates the market. You know, I'm a free market guy at at, at heart. I'm almost a libertarian where I feel like we should almost dissolve the Fed and let the markets solve its own problem instead of us, you know, changing rates. You know, the 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 Fed has two roles, right? It's to maximize employment and to control rates uh, in order to hedge inflation. Those are the two pillars of the fret of the Fed. Those things are literal opposites. Most of the time, to hedge inflation, you're going to hurt jobs. It's just anyway. I could go on it's and on. It's a great point. It's never really thought of. Oh, it like it's a that. racket. It's a great point. I think the Fed's a racket. You got people there. There's a lot of old libertarians out there that have been calling for the the dissolution of the, of the Fed for a long time, and and I'm starting to understand why those grumpy old men felt that way. You know, because you see them play with the market like that and control it like a puppet on its strings. And it's, it's pretty gross to watch. If you, if you look too close, you'll get grossed out at almost anything the government does is the problem. You know, don't, don't get out your magnifying glass and look at what, uh, what, what any government entity does or you'll eventually be grossed out. But inventory, we don't think is going to crash the market, right? Interest rates, they're going up, but they're still not at historic highs. You know, we talk about this a lot. My dad's first mortgage was 18%. Um, you know, our mortgages, when we first got into the business, were around where they are now, 7 8%. You know, back in 1998, 99, 2000, you know, we were in this same rate environment. And the world and the, and the economy took off. The real estate market went up from there. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that are saying that that there's not a crash coming in 2024. Pricing in certain markets, sure, it's out of control. But let's talk about pricing in most of middle America that nobody talks about. Nobody talks about the fact that in the Midwest, the average 
home price is under 250 or just sorry, above $250,000. Mm-hmm. $250,000 for your for your average home. That's a it's affordable still. So there's a lot of places that are affordable. So when you see the doom and gloom out there, there really is two sides to each of these coins. And sure, what goes up must come down. Yes, vacancy rates in commercial is really high. Yes, debt is at all-time highs. Yes, savings rates are at all-time lows. But there's a lot of levers pulling on this real estate market in the other direction, the good direction. So you know we're seeing mixed signals out there. So don't buy into all the doom and gloom and don't buy into anybody that says that it's only going up, up, up because that's not true either. And I think back to like 2006, 2007, I didn't see that coming from a mile away and I was studying the data just like I study it now. So the heck does anybody know anyway? I think I saw it coming a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, hindsight's 2020 and sit here and toot, uh, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but we had mortgages were so easy to attain. Like it was so crazy. I'm laughing. Sorry, because like, it was I mean, a it joke. Was just like, it was a joke. It was hundred percent investment property financing everywhere. You know, I mean, you could get that anywhere, yeah. anywhere you no want. No income, it. no doc, no docs. Yeah. You just, um, you tell them what you make. They don't look it up. And I remember, cause you know, I represented, um, you know, as a traditional realtor, I represented a lot more people back then than I do now, you know, buying homes and remembering like the ease of certain people getting mortgages and thinking, wow, like it really shouldn't be doing this. Like, you know, I remember like, me getting mortgages and saying, oh my gosh, I cannot believe they just gave me this loan. I can't pay. I, I can't afford the payment. I, I did that. Well, I know whenever I first started in, in, in 01 and 02, um, you know, I mean, heck, I, I hardly had any employment, you know, to, to really, you know, say, hey, or I've got stability. I didn't have any stability. You know, I was getting 100% investment property financing, and, like, it was closing in 14 days. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was out of so, control, and I still didn't see it coming. You know, and either did a lot of people. There, there's a lot of people that picked up on those signs that you saw. You know, the Big Short is a famous book. I, mean, and I didn't see movie. it like that. Obviously, that no. person. There's a reason why that guy's a billionaire. Right. I mean, you know. Well, you might have seen some of those signs, but you just didn't have billions to uh, hedge against it, and you didn't know what the hell those financial tools were to even bet against. But the the lending was completely out of control, and that doesn't exist now. That's another point. Is most of the people, most of the borrowers in the market are um, well screened, and they have great interest rates. So you know you don't have that factor that will crash the market either right now that you had before. Mm-hmm. Instead, you have highly qualified people uh, in mortgages at really good rates that do not want to lose their house at any cost because they can't afford to buy the next one because rates are so much higher. So you'll have people scrap in order to hold on to their house. And I don't if you weren't around for 2008 and you're listening to this, people were running away from their house and grateful to leave their house. And that's very oh, different. Just packing than today. their stuff up and see, see you later. later. Take you it. Know. We don't care. <laughs> Instead, you have a totally different culture shift now of people that will want to hold on to that 2.6% house at all costs. So there's some fundamental differences um, in this market and next. And yeah, there's mixed signals out there. I don't think a, a giant crash is coming, but 
you know, there's enough mixed signals where you should be nervous, but let's be real. You and I have spent over $6 million in the last month acquiring real estate. So I think we put our money where our mouth is with this and we are heavily acquiring real estate. Now, keep in mind, we are long-term cash flow investors. We're not betting on the market going up or down. We buy real estate based on the cash that it provides because we like to capture the rents, capture that profit each month, have the tenant pay off our mortgage for us, and then capture the appreciation over a long period. We're not talking short period where we hope the market goes up or down or whatever. No, these are long-term investments. So we are out there investing ourselves right now in some ways, regardless of what the market does, because we see opportunities for amazing cash flow in the stuff that you and I are looking at. Mm-hmm. I mean, some amazing cash flow is still available out there. Oh, we last week and this week we have literally bought more existing than we have ever bought in our careers. Right, that's true. In the last two weeks, that is true. Mm-hmm. And we're at the same time that we're building more brand new than we've ever built in our careers. Mm-hmm. And last two weeks, yeah. we bought 20 homes and three apartment complexes. In the 22 two homes weeks. because Barry got two. two 22 homes. Yeah. yeah. So 22 homes and an apartment complex, and we're building. Three apartment complexes. Yeah, sorry, three apartment complexes, and we're building a bunch of mm-hmm. new build duplexes. But, you know, our it's a long-term plan for us. Right. So, you know, there's I think that that provides a lot of safety. I do think that there are you know a couple of things that could happen unforeseen that would be extreme that could really tilt the market. Um and I don't think it's going to happen, but if it did, it could it could really, you know, cause for a correction even in the average priced homes. And that would be you have so many of these hedge funds that um you know have bought up um you know hundreds of thousands of homes across the the nation. And there's no sense in naming any of them, but you know, if God forbid, if one of them were to fail, right? You know, if one of if one of them were to fail, and then, or just dump them, dump their properties, they don't mm-hmm. even have to fail. Correct. They said, you know what, the the returns aren't what we what we you know promised our investors, and you know we're, we're just we're we're liquidating, getting out. You know, because I mean, there's some neighborhoods that we used to invest in 20 years ago that I mean, it's 70, 80 percent owned by hedge funds now. Yeah. Well, I see some acceleration going on in that marketplace that's been shocking to me. I've seen new players get involved, like Bill Gates, starting to buy up houses now and and buy up land. And uh, it's it's you know that doesn't mean that the hedge funds wouldn't dump, but I'm seeing more people come back in again after kind of a a, a lull in the market there. For some reason, I'm seeing some of those big dollars start to be spent again on acquiring more properties again, which is crazy to me. Yeah. It is, and we never we didn't see it for the first part of our careers. No, so like when these hedge funds came new. in, when these hedge yeah. funds came in, it changed the changed the game. Which you know, there's a lot of people out there that uh, that think that that loop people like Scotty and I and our 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 clients in with these big institutional. Uh, drives me crazy firms i mean it couldn't be couldn't be more different you know people like scotty and i and you know we've got a lot of clients all of them i mean they we improve neighborhoods you know we do so much good we've done it for 20 years where you know there'd be a bad property in a neighborhood and we bring the values of of the neighbor 
neighborhood up. But you know, now since these institutional people have come in, we couldn't believe what they were paying for the for the, for these places either. I mean, we would be in second place to these uh, these hedge funds. What two thousand different uh, occasions? I'm sure where where we lost out, and we were shocked by what they were what they were spending. We would never spend that much money for the houses, and what did it do? Yeah, it did. It drove it drove prices up. But it's two very different things: the mom and pop real estate investor versus the large Wall Street institutional you know hedge funds. It couldn't be more different. Yeah, it couldn't be more different in how they operate too. You know, our clients are are middle Americans who just are trying to, um, you know, grow their retirement and become have some financial freedoms at some point in their lives. And they also, you know, if they're buying from us, they believe in that compassionate landlord, um, which is a win 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 when you operate that way. And these hedge funds, they don't. It's a number on a spreadsheet, and it's it drives me bananas that people lump in good landlords who only own one or two houses and they care about that house and they care about their tenant and they lump those people and us in with these giant hedge funds that don't give a crap. It drives me crazy, but that's just a pet peeve. It's stupidity. I mean, people just don't know. Um, You know, I would encourage people to get more informed about that before they start slinging so much mud. Yes. It obviously drives me crazy too, because I just said they were stupid. Which it's true. I mean, um, you know, I say it a lot. I say it a lot on here. You're in a really dangerous spot when you know everything. And I see that a lot these days. People know everything. I mean, I know you do. You no, genuinely no. do. The older I get, the less I know. It's, it's, I've come to the realization how little I, I know on any, on any topic. And that humility allows me to not hate people that I don't know. You know, I, th- I think people need to settle down, be a little more humble, quit throwing mud. Um, and, you know, we're all in this world together right now. And it's 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 can be bumpy out there, especially if you're looking too close at the news. If you're looking too close, if you're looking too close at these real estate markets and we have to take care of each other, we just have to. And that's why we believe in this compassionate landlordism. That's why we believe in. Uh, fair and equitable treatment of anyone we work with, our tenants, our clients. And I promise you, if you take on that attitude and you apply it to your business and you apply it to real estate, you will find success and you will find great, great fulfillment in what you do then versus just greed and emptiness. It's a way to take this real estate passion and turn it into an actual fulfilling life that creates financial freedom for yourself and amazing rewards way beyond money because money fades, but those relationships and the passion behind all of this and what you will get back in rewards will blow your mind. I appreciate that because, you know, we live in a world where, you know, people can hide behind a phone or a computer screen and say some of the nastiest things. I think it's, that's why it's difficult for, uh, for people that have got some age that grew up without uh, cell phones and social media. It's hard for us that, you know, to see all the mudslinging that goes on because in our age, you know, if you had a problem with somebody, you said it to your face and you may, you may or may not end up in a parking lot, you know, but you know, you had to, you know, I think we, we know how to treat people with respect a little bit more, but you know, we're, we're talking real estate investing. There is a lot more 
uh, to life than just investing in real estate and money. And, you know, the way you treat people, um, it feels terrible to treat people poorly, you know, to, to, to get mad. Uh, you know, you and I were mad at somebody that we, that we have to work with, you know, a few weeks back. Isn't that a terrible feeling? It's awful. You know, just, just, just that, ugh, the, 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 the anger. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I really appreciate, um, you know, hearing that from you, you know what, you got to be nice to people. You know, there's a lot more, uh, to, than just money, um, and investing in real estate. You know, you, you got to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and treat people kindly. I love it. I love it. Well, I think that's a good wrap up for today. It is. And I, I got a little worked up there for a while. Scotty brought me back and I appreciate that Scotty, but please continue to join the homeboys revolution. You can find us at the homeboys podcast. You can find us on TikTok, um, Instagram. You could also go to our website, homeboys, the homeboys podcast.com. We love bringing this content to you. We're going to keep doing it. The sky may not be falling, but be careful. You never know what's around the corner. Till next time, happy investing.